Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. What's your Christmas concert that you didn't know you had, Doug? It was super exciting. It's always fun to watch unorganized children try to sing and dance. So how did you find out about this Christmas concert? I was picking my kid up and he was saying... So like, Dad, when we get back to the school, this is where I have to go. And I'm like, why would we come back to the school? <laughs> and he's like, for the concert that I was supposed to tell you about a week ago. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I ran into another parent as we were walking out the front door of the school. I'm like, ran into another parent. And they were like, jokingly, like, I think you're going the wrong way. You're supposed to be coming to the school. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> And they're like, Christmas concert. I'm like, there's a Christmas concert. I'm like, you're in it? The kid's like, yeah, I do a little dance. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, you little son of a bitch, kick him across the room. Something like that. More accurately, I ran home, made him eat a sandwich, and then ran back. But, you know. Wow. That sounds like fun. Yeah, no, that that was really, really fun. It's, it's just it's a great way to spend your afternoon having to go to a horrible children event that you didn't even know you had to go to. I think I would have been if I'd been better prepared for it. Uh, I think it would have been fine, but yeah. it was just finding out with no time to spare was not great. Yeah, so. just say I went to a Christmas concert on Sunday, oh. but it was Cindy's daughter and she's fifteen and. She's actually good at singing and playing instruments. Oh, so okay, yeah, that's a completely different discussion. Yeah, although I think yours would have been much more fun to go to. You think so? Especially in the the way you found out. <laughs> Just uh, this is why I wish we lived closer and we saw each other all the time. Because then you would be like, "Oh, I got to go pick uh, Lando up," and I'd be like, "Cool." And then you'd be like, motherfucker, I have to go to this goddamn Christmas thing. <laughs> and I would just laugh and laugh as I sat at home and didn't go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was. Anyways. The thing is, this happened like last week, too. With a school, oh, really? The school. Yeah. <laughs> last week, it wasn't like it was more like it was like a, they called it a dance, but dances for seven year olds, I don't really consider dances, but. I, same, I thought you were, it was going to be like an episode of a sitcom where Lando comes home and he's like, so are you going to come to science fair tomorrow? And you'd be like, what science fair? And he's like, there's science fair tomorrow. And you'd be like, what did you do for the science fair? And he's like, nothing. I figured you would do it. <laughs> it's, listen, he's a little young for that. I'm sure it's coming. 
based on this past uh, week's experience of twice having to run back to the school for events I didn't know were happening. Yeah. Is either that or come home and be like, so I'm going to need those 50 cupcakes by tomorrow. You'd be like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, I have to take 50 cupcakes to school tomorrow. In the interest of fairness, the store is definitely capable of creating 50 cupcakes by tomorrow. <laughs> In an emergency, I could even take those off uh, out of the package and put them on a tray. So, oh, see, I figured you'd be smarter. You call up your ex and be like, hey, I think I'm sick. Can you take uh, Lando for the night? And not tell her so that when, when he showed up to her house, he would explain it. And she'd be like, God damn it. Now it's like an hour later. Yeah, <laughs> even less time. I did text her tonight and be like, did you know about this play? And she's like, no. She's like, I would have loved to have gone. And I'm like, would would you have, though? Like, are you just saying that because you don't have to now? <laughs> like, there's still time. You can still make it. Aw, shucky darns. Good Lord. Oh, well. You know, Doug, I feel like Lando's going to grow up to be a psychopath. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Just Darkest segue. <laughs> swinging hard to the segue this week. <laughs> yeah, we're doing uh, psychopath least, movies this week. At least you didn't go with, like, menacing sexual deviant like Richard Gere. <laughs> Listen, that's a little too far, okay? I feel like, per our text discussions earlier, Noah's got something out for Richard Gere. Yeah, there's clearly an issue there. I don't know what that issue is exactly. It's a pretty. It's just a pretty simple issue. I just don't like Richard Gere. <laughs> I, right. don't, I don't. I don't think he's a very good actor. And kind of, he got away with being the lead in movies for forever. Kind of just playing the same soft-spoken, mildly charming character. And, like, that's that's it. That's all he ever did. And people loved him. Well, I think... Am I mistaken, or do women find him attractive? And that's the issue, right? That, I mean, maybe that's it, too? Has he got, like, a silver fox thing going on? I, don't, I, I think so. And, like, Lord knows there's been plenty of actresses who've gotten lots of work just from being attractive, so I didn't hold it against... Guys that do whatever. I, I I just I'm surprised to hear that anyone on this podcast has a strong opinion about Richard Gere one way or the other. Do you hate him for animal endangerment because of the gerbil story? <laughs> Supposedly that's not true. It'd be way funnier if it was. True. I believe you mean allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um. Well. Noah, since you hate Richard Gere so much, why don't you tell us about Primal Fear? Uh, sad news. Co-star of this film, Andre Brower, died. <laughs> like, literally a couple of hours ago. Oh. All right. I was watching the movie. I signed on to Facebook when I'm done. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. So he just passed away. Okay. So Richard Gere <laughs> plays <laughs> a lawyer who... This movie somehow is simultaneously trying to portray as uh, an ethical hero and as a complete fucking sleazebag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's very, I, 
It's I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, something about the way they're trying to portray this character makes no fucking sense. Well, how about you get through your plot description before you like you just hate Richard here <laughs> so much that you can't even do it. Well, that was no, but, but the problem is, is that's a huge plot point in the movie. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, a local cardinal or bishop, something, some Catholic douchebag, uh, gets chopped up with a kitchen knife. The person arrested is young. Young baby Edward Norton. Yeah. First uh, film role. Yeah. Who, for some reason, Richard Gere is convinced is innocent, even though all the evidence says that he 100% killed this guy. Uh, and then the entire movie is basically a courtroom drama of discovering Edward Norton's character has DID or does he? Um, they, they managed to do all the bad stereotypes. <laughs> about the ID, which is not not great, but it, this is an older movie, so that's, you just gotta forgive it, I guess. And yeah, that's it. it I don't know, and his, his ex-girlfriend is the prosecutor, which seems like a massive conflict of interest that's never addressed by the judge or anyone else in the film. Yeah. I, I feel like in courtroom dramas, and I have no idea if this is true in the real world or not, but in courtroom dramas, like, all the lawyers have like interpersonal relationships and they all know each other. And that somehow is uh, fine. You see, I feel like that would be, I feel like that particular thing would be real that you probably do like know these people, but there's a difference between knowing them and having had a romantic relationship with the person who you're supposed to be defending your client against. It's more of an issue for Richard's gear character than a prosecuting attorney. I think Did you just say Richard's gear. Whatever. I just why, why, I'm, I'm laying in bed. <laughs> why? Why is it more of an issue for him? I'm curious. I would actually think the opposite. I would think that she would have a higher ethical standard being the prosecutor than he would as a defense attorney. No, see, I'm, defense attorneys have a higher standard because you have to like you're entitled to a defense. You're you're not entitled to a prosecution. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? It's got it's a rights issue. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so so that's I mean that's the gist of the movie, and then it turns out that this the guy who died was a piece of shit, and he's involved with all these uh, high powered folks, including the district attorney, who's played by Fraser's dad. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, we should mention the cast for both of these movies is phenomenal. Even putting. Noah's hatred of Richard Gere aside. No. It's got star power. Yeah. The, Listen, uh, I'm pro- not saying Richard Gere's a garbage person or actor or anything. I'm just I just don't personally find him interesting. I don't know. <laughs> you in the text you said, Yeah, phenomenal cast pulled way down by Richard Gere. Yeah, that's accurate. Alright. Yeah. So like uh, I think might yeah. as well use that as our starting point for the conversation, though, because you were right when you, despite the fact that you were supposed to be giving a plot description, Richard Gere's character is terribly written, right? Like, he comes it into the no movie, sense. he's supposed to be this, like, high-powered, like, sleazeball attorney who's taking this case pro bono just because he wants the publicity and they're, like, people are making all these comments at him, like, oh, this is for your next book or whatever, right? And it's like, okay, like, that's a guy. And then he gets in the room with Ed Norton, immediately becomes like 
this like hugely sympathetic, like, oh my God, we've got to protect this innocent kid, you know, starts getting really worked up about everything with with like any of his staff that aren't working hard enough. He's like, no, this kid's life is on the line. We have to protect him. And it's like, which, which character is he? Like, you know? Yeah. And pretty early in the film, they established the fact that he used to work for the prosecutor's office. Yeah. And, and at first they're doing the whole, Oh, he left to go make money. But then of course, like 20 minutes into the movie, you find out, no, he left because the fucking district attorney's a douchebag. Yeah, so it's it's, it's, it's like they wanted. That makes the character make no sense. I don't. Yeah, it's as if they wanted to um, wanted to have him change over the course of the movie. Like his character arc would go from this like sleaze bag attorney to like this loving, caring guy, and then ironically, that would be his downfall in the movie, which is classic <laughs> classic movie logic. But they just didn't. Instead of having an arc, they just had him doing different things in different scenes that were disconnected. And irrational so it's a real problem and i i mean his performance i think is fine not not good not bad just is what it is right yeah and, and doesn't it feel like in a courtroom drama i get that like finagling the law and stuff is is supposed to be part of the the plot mechanics of the film but it sure feels like they were just making up law whole cloth as they went through this movie yeah, to suit the it's to possible. suit their narrative instead of right. yeah they they were making up law as they went they were really toying with the timeline too they're like like, it's right. a, like they're still investigating the facts of the case and the crime scene is still locked down but the trial has already started it's like not really making sense um, and you know. It was, I don't think this would pass legal muster if you were like, even at the end when they're like, he's like, oh, I can't change, it. I can't change my plea. And it's like, well, did you get? Yes, you can. You, yeah, you can. Yes, if, you can. If, if you have a, like a psychiatrist come in and testify about something like that, you could definitely change your plea, absolutely. And like the the whole thing of like, I don't know, I, I like, I guess what what happens is when the psychiatrist decides that that Ed Norton's character has multiple personality disorder she wants to go in and testify that he's insane but instead richard gear is like trying to go well no we can't say he's insane but we can say that since it was the other personality that did it then he didn't have the intent or something and i'm like okay like you're using legal words there but i'm not sure if that's how any of that works like it doesn't you know what i mean like it doesn't it's nonsense you can't just be like the other half of his brain decided to do this so therefore the the guy who's in here on trial isn't like, like like it's almost setting up a legal system where you'd have anybody with multiple personality disorder would just be like walking the streets with somebody monitoring them and when one personality comes to the surface then they throw that in jail until he switches back and then let him out again <laughs> like it, it, it none of it made sense and yeah, then in, of in course the judge the worst, i was going to say they also throw in all the worst stereotypes of multiple personality disorder including the the big reveal at the end that of course he was faking it the entire time yeah yeah yeah. um it's yeah it's one of those things where you're just like i mean the the psychology we're we're flipping back and forth between them making up psychology for whatever's convenient for the film and them making up laws for whatever's convenient for the film (laughs) but the flaws are there uh either way it's a lot of it's illogical like when the judge at the end too is like 
okay, so we're, she sits down with the defense attorney and the thing goes, okay, we're going to cancel this trial that we're in the middle of because the, the defendant had a violent outburst. So we're <laughs> instead of continuing with the trial and like maybe locking him up somewhere, we're going to just cancel the trial and I'll announce that he's going to a mental institution. And it's like, I'm pretty sure you have to have a whole separate hearing about that. I saw Miracle on 34th Street. If you want to lock a guy in a mental institution, that's a different hearing altogether. You don't just get to decide that in the middle of a murder trial. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, you also, I'm 99% sure you also can't just dismiss a jury and move it to a bench trial. I think that's awesome. Pretty, oh, yeah. pretty do. It seems like it seems like there would have to at least be some sort of motion filed for something like that to happen. Not just like the judge sits everyone down and goes, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do." Like he, there are some rules, whatever the exact rules are. I know that the judge can't make them up as they go entirely. <laughs> so, yeah, I read uh, apparently the big misnomer about the psychiatry stuff is that he only has one other personality, which apparently is not, like, that's not a thing. Apparently if you have more than one personality, then you yeah. have like multiple. Yeah. I so think I've, I've, I've heard that too. Should include the psychologist in on that. He was faking it the whole time. It's all, it's also Whatever. one of those things where I think, uh, Movies like to play it up like there's just like one in three people have multiple personality disorder, but it's it's really really <laughs> rare. Like it's, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying it it doesn't exist the way it does in movies. I'm just gonna say, what do you guys think the purpose of the last scene of the film is? The of him uh, going out, basically he goes out the back door instead of going out to the press or whatever, um, and it's like. Yeah, we established that he is kind of like a media horror or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to be some kind of... But it's like, yeah, but in this particular case, that doesn't... doesn't once again, it doesn't really work because he could just be embarrassed. Like, um, I took it... Duped. Yeah, I took it as even though he technically won for what, you know, he essentially wanted for his client, what his client wanted. So even though he won, he sort of beat the prosecution, however you want to interpret that, that he still lost because he was outsmarted by somebody he thought was like an aw shucks, like country bumpkin sort of person. See, I took it as similar. Um, so he was, because he, he does give several speeches throughout it about how like it's all about winning and he keeps referring to it as a game. At one point he talks about like he would never want to be a judge because why would you want to umpire when you can play ball, stuff like that. And I think at the end here, he's supposed to have like learned his lesson. And, you know, even though he won the case, he did get a guilty person off. And that's, he's now learned that that's wrong to do that. But I don't think it works particularly well in the context of the film. I was going to say, you know what the weird thing is, though? It's your defense attorney. Your whole job is to get a guilty person off, even if they're guilty. That's your. <laughs> There's some debate. I think because they insinuate they're talking about his his other client, who's this mafiosa kind of guy. That the, there's the side story, yeah. In which he's clearly a criminal. Like, like everything about what's going on is like, yeah, this dude does shady shit all the time. Yeah. Again, it, it's. I think there's supposed to be a character arc there, and the problem is that there really isn't. Like the idea is he's learning his lesson. I don't know that it works very well. He usually tries to dupe, you know, the judge, the jury, 
prosecutor or whatever. And this time he technically got duped by his client. Yeah. So he's sort of seeing like, oh shit, like I'm the one that got played this time. Yeah. It's, I do, I do believe Char Char got stuck watching both these movies. Uh, <laughs> you know how wow. she feels about stuff, but I I think she said that this week's theme must be waterlogged corpses and dead girl titties. <laughs> <laughs> Not unreasonable. I was like, that's a way better theme. <laughs> <laughs> So she actually got stuck watching watching these. You mean it's not she got to watch these? She feels <laughs> privileged to watch these movies for the podcast. I was going to say the, the funny thing is this is probably the one she would have preferred. But oh, so we th- didn't talk about that. Can we this is Dateline about- bullshit. This is everything she loves. Well, I'm just going to say, can we talk about the fact that for the fact that this movie is very much a uh, R for language fucking like 90s movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. That the murder scene comes out of nowhere and is fucking brutal. <laughs> he puts his hand on the table and suddenly he's missing like four of his fingers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see like half his hand get chopped off. It was like, what the fuck? Like, I was so Blood un- spraying everywhere. I was so unprepared. I was like, isn't this a Richard Gere lawyer movie? What the fuck <laughs> is happening right now? Uh, it's... There's so that that kill scene is horrific, and then when they're doing the like the mislead where we think that somebody else might have killed the priest, and we learn about the sex tapes he's making with the young people that work for him, and they show that tape, and you're like, oh, this is this is really creepy. This is like reminds me of those Calvin Klein commercials from the '90s that upset everyone. Like it's just this <laughs> creepy old man like telling these like 19 year olds what to do, and they're just doing it, and you're like, oh, I don't. Yeah. I usually enjoy it when people take their clothes off in movies, but not this time. Yeah. Like, this is upsetting. <laughs> it's... Yeah, there's like there's not even any hesitation. Like he tells what's the guy's name, Alex. Yeah, he's like, all right, Alex, go over to her, and he just stands up like he's going to get a drink of water, yeah. pulls his shirt off, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. He's just like, yeah, when and when and he's being so direct about it that it's like upsetting. Like I don't know, I'm trying to think of the exact words he used, but it's like. There's something unnerving when you describe sex acts in such a like a matter of fact way. You're like, don't say it like that. Like, just <laughs> either be cuter about I, it or I do be dirtier. About exact it. words were take her from behind. Yeah, like it's. Uh, I don't know. Put them in your mouth. Yeah, those are the words I didn't like hearing. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, like there was, but it's the way he said it and stuff. And I guess that's a, a credit to the actor to some extent. But it's like. It was it was genuinely upsetting, and you know, like I think him being in such a position of power over those people, including like having control over whether they had a place to live or not, it was like right. It was it was much too chill for a sex crime. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. We're all with you. (laughs) But like, like for all, like we spent the first bunch of this conversation complaining. Overall, I think this is a well-made film, aside from the Richard Gere character arc. I think the misleads about the guy really work. Like they paint this archbishop or whatever he was to be sleazy enough where you're like, Oh, maybe somebody else did kill him. And I thought, I think a lot of the stuff, it it was hard to, to, to judge how well the mislead with the Ed Norton character was working because I knew going into this, what the twist was, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I think most of it's pretty well done. I think, you know, like during it, like I'm never quite sure. Like if I was watching this blind, I think 
A, I wouldn't know if he killed him or not. And then B, I wouldn't know that he was faking the multiple personality disorders. I think there are signs that you can tell that he's faking it. If you're looking for those signs, there's a couple of moments where he like intentionally switches the character and you can kind of see him making that decision. And I think because Ed Norton's such a good actor that you really see him making that decision. And I think that that works if you know the twist and you're rewatching the film, but I don't think that it would stand out if you didn't know the twist. So I I think overall it's like, it's an extremely well-made film. I did find it, intriguing like i was at times thinking like like yeah it's they're doing a good job of setting it up as a will he or won't he end up in prison and stuff all that stuff works yeah. um, apparently edward norton brought the stuttering aspect to it yeah because apparently it was based on a book and uh, that wasn't in the <laughs> I was, book okay. i was getting ready to say so edward norton was already a demanding douchebag in his first, in his first role. <laughs> yeah, demanding, demanding in a way that improves the role, though. Um, like he is an artist, and he he has, does stand his ground. We all know that he's had these problems, but also it tends to work out. And in this case, like that stutter, I think really helps the character. I've seen a, a few interviews with like, like I know I'm trying to think of who it is. I, I know Matt Damon is one of the guys I've seen, but I think there's others that are like just actors, like you know white boy actors from that that are that same age and they said they'd all go on all these auditions and they're like this was one they all wanted because it's such a good part and then they saw the movie and they're like oh yeah no yeah no i couldn't i couldn't have done that like it's it's a good thing they hired him this would be a way worse movie with me in it kind of thing and it's yeah, like, apparently the producers wanted leonardo dicaprio okay but he just got done filming uh what's eating gilbert grape oh it was like kind of like exhausted from doing that sure. character. So he See, didn't want to that era. Leonardo DiCaprio might've been able to pull this off. Right. But yeah. I don't, I, I have an issue with Leonardo DiCaprio in a lot of roles has done weird Southern accents. And mm-hmm. I think Leonardo DiCaprio with a Southern accent is fucking terrible. Okay. Did you say unbearable? I just terrible. I think oh, terrible. His Southern accents are weird. You didn't you didn't like it in uh, Django? Uh, I have never seen Django. Oh, you should. It's good. Right. Well, I take that back. I've seen old Django. I never saw this. Okay, Django. well, Django. <laughs> yeah. the, the old Django's are not going to help you appreciate Leonardo DiCaprio's acting at all because I don't think that's, he was alive yet when they were made. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah, he's really good in uh, Tarantino Django movie. But that's not what he does. He does a southern, like a plantation owner accent, though. That's what I was going to say. My problem is, it's hard for me to wake up. And you guys, you guys know I love some terrible, weird movies and some offensive stuff and all that. But there just isn't a moment in my life where I wake up and I go, you know what? I want to go watch a movie where they use the N word about fifty (laughs) thousand times. That is, uh, that's fair. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Samuel L. Jackson tells a real fun story about how Leonardo DiCaprio didn't want to say it in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> and Samuel Jackson's like, like, God damn it, like you have to kind of thing. Yeah, Walton uh, Goggins is in that movie. In uh, apparently he he apologized to everybody before every before every take because he fucking hated it. He hated having to say it, but uh, I mean that's what you signed up for. Yeah, that sounds awful. Um, so I don't know. Are we are we all positive on this movie? I know me and Doug are pretty positive. What about you, Noah? Uh, I mean, like, it's all right. 
I don't, I, I'm kind of, I'm not going to sit here and like and gush about it, but it's also not my kind of movie. I don't like courtroom dramas. I just don't, I don't give a fuck about it. And there really isn't a story arc. It's all just character stuff. And, and every character, as far as I'm concerned in this movie, they're all kind of like douchebags. And it's hard for me to get into a movie where every character is a douchebag. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting perspective because it, it's hard to argue that most of the characters are douchebags. Like, if you believe Ed Norton's performance, um, then I guess you wouldn't see him that way. But certainly, like, the uh, all the lawyers are douchebags. But I think that's accurate. Um, that's how they how lawyers are. Um, Even Laura Lenny, you think she's a douchebag? Yeah. Hmm. Um, oh, I guess I didn't see her that way. Well, I, I also, I feel like, part of the problem with this movie again i'm positive on it but if i wanted to nitpick it like a lot of the shit that happens is irrelevant it's all like red herring like all the talk about like land development deals and all the talk about like even the stuff with the sex tapes and all that isn't necessary for the story right it's just it's just red herring stuff and it takes up a lot of screen time and there's all this stuff with like the councilman that gets brought in or whatever he is and he's going to testify against, he's going to testify that like there were other people with motivations to kill this Cardinal or Archbishop. And then there's um, like that criminal character that's just hanging around the whole time and all that stuff. And all this stuff with uh, John Mahoney's character and Richard Gere and their past and not getting along. And you're like, okay, but none of that is relevant to the actual plot of the film, which is the case of this guy being tried for murder and did he or didn't he do it? So they could have streamlined yeah. the story, I think, quite a bit. And I guess, like, again, if, if they were successful in misleading the audience into thinking that this guy was innocent, then all that stuff helps with that. But it's hard for me to judge it that way, going into it now and knowing the outcome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Doug, do you want to go into copycat? All right. So Sigourney Weaver is a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever that helps the cops track serial killers. One day she's attacked by her very own serial killer and becomes, uh, she ends up having a nervous breakdown and she's locked herself in her home. She's been there for 13 months when the cops start coming to her for help with some killings that are going on. Turns out the killer is copycatting, copycatting. The uh, <laughs> the uh, fam- most famous serial killers in the world. So she starts picking up on the fact that um, they're uh, like the crime scene photos are, are very much resemble. I think it's a Berkowitz case, and then at one point it's Son of Sam case, and anyways, all these different famous serial killers. And meanwhile, she for some reason they have to make Sigourney Weaver's character flirt with one of the cops, which is awkward but uh that goes on for a while well not just any cop though it's dermal Mulrooney. i mean come on yeah it, we'll get into it after but Don't, for some reason it wait, feels like wait, it wasn't dylan mcdermott <laughs> uh, no but i see i i, I see your confusion anyways um so anyway eventually now the cut now the killer is going to kill her copycatting the uh, scene from the beginning of the movie and she starts screwing with it and they they fight. She kills a guy. That's the movie, right? 
That is the movie. Yeah. So this is the first time watch for you, Doug? Uh, yeah. Um, what did you think? So really solid performances all around. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of really interesting ideas. Like I like considering this as a film from like the mid nineties when she's locked in her home and she's doing like the online chat room thing. That's like her support structure is she goes into this online chat room and talks to people. And then the killer starts trying to like contact her through that. It becomes a whole thing. I'm like, I think that's really clever for the time period. It does a good job of playing up on that. Um, I like the idea of the serial killer copying the, like the famous serial killers. I think they do a good job of playing that up and I enjoy it. And when they start saying things like, Oh my God, he's like the next one's going to be like Ted Bundy or whatever. Like they start figuring it out. I think that's all fun. All right. Uh, I, 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 I could feel the butt coming up. Yeah. I just, I feel like there was a complete lack of tension in the movie. Like just, okay. it, I, I think it would put it on the director that it's just like, it felt like they were going through the motions this whole time. So even though the individual things are good, the whole story didn't come together well. And I didn't feel like, like I wasn't worried she was going to get killed at any point in time. And I know like on a subconscious level, we always know that the heroine of the film is probably going to live, but I never got worried for her. Does that make any sense? And then therefore it's like, why are we watching this? So I'm not like, I'm not saying it's terrible or anything, Again, lots of lots of things to like about it individually, but it didn't quite work for me. Okay. What about, what are your thoughts? Because you, I think, were a fan of this, right? Uh, well, I was pretty sure I saw this when I was younger. <laughs> okay. Upon rewatch, I realize, oh, I, I may have watched like half an hour of this, and that's it. Okay. You know what? That was my exact response to it because the movie started and i was like oh a movie with sigourney weaver in it that i haven't seen this seems strange and then it started and it's that speech of her saying you know everyone stand up and i was like oh i know this scene i know i've seen this scene a few times and then the action like past that i was like no i i've only seen that scene of this movie where the fuck have i seen (laughs) that one scene of this movie before i don't know um, so when I realized that I was like, Oh, I get to rewatch this, even though I kind of knew how everything was going to play out for some reason. Cause I don't really remember anything, but as soon as I saw the guy, I was like, Oh, that's the killer right there. And he's, a, he's, he's in the background of like the very first scene. Yeah. yeah. You, you, no, you know what? And, and I had, like I said, I had seen this before and I did the same thing in the very first scene that fake guy confesses walks out of the room and there's the white guy with glasses and kind of a bobcat that says hi to the cop. Yeah. And you're like, that's the killer right there. <laughs> because she describes him. She described him at the beginning of the movie. That's that's well, who it's gonna be. He's also in the crowd though, when she's giving that speech. Yeah. Like they focus on like one of the guys that's standing up and you can see him like in the background. They yeah. don't ever like focus on him. He's there. And as soon as I saw him in that scene, I was like, oh, that's the killer right there. He's in the background. And I don't know how, because I've never seen the rest of this movie, but I don't know. I figured it out super quick. So, um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, as you said, I think the performances are pretty stellar across the board. Um, <laughs> fucking Harry Potter Jr. 
Yep. That Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. If that psycho character, you're like, what the fuck? Harry Connick Jr. Like, he, he plays his he character to, way too well. Yeah. I was going to say, he came to fucking play in this movie. Yep. When he uh, when he's doing that, like, 90s version of a Zoom call where he where they have to yeah. explain to him that she can see him through the camera and stuff. Um, yeah. When when he's doing that and he starts demanding like he'll help them find the real killer, but he requires a pair of her panties as payment, and I'm like, no. I that's genuinely upsetting. I wish he has like <laughs> that is he is. I am too convinced that he really wants those. Yep. I'm like, yeah, he's he's great. He's great. Yeah, there's some really interesting things about the performance he gives because in I th- I don't know if you guys can see this too in the the opening scene where he's got her in the bathroom and he does the whole or you've got my gun how'd you get my gun that that whole yeah. thing yeah yeah his delivery is essentially David Cross doing comedy if, <laughs> did you guys notice that like he's doing David Cross's voice you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. I, it's not what I would have used to describe it, but now that you're saying it, I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, I think it's, I thought it was intentional. I was like, oh my God, what a fucking weird, creepy thing to do. And it like, it makes sense <laughs> for that character. Cause that character has got this whole, I, I don't know. There's, there's something where he thinks the violence is funny. Oh yeah, for sure. And it like oozes out of him. It's I don't know. It's really should I slash your neck or shoot you? How about yeah. both? Yeah. Like I said, I think he's he's star of the show. Fucking Harry Connick Jr. Fucking crushes. Yeah. yeah. As the movie went on, I'm like, oh, I wish we were following Harry Connick Jr.'s character instead of this guy. I definitely would have preferred that. Um, not. That's not really a criticism of anyone else. He's just so good, and his character right. is the most interesting. Um, I mean, to be fair, I guess he's. A, uh, he's playing like a psychopath serial killer guy. Like it's just a more interesting role to be handed, I guess. But yeah, because the guy we follow is like um, very clinical and serious about it, whereas Harry Connick Jr., like as you pointed out, just thinks everything's fun and funny. Yeah, and that's way more interesting to follow than you know the guy who's got like a looks like a medical lab in his bedroom or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so. I did. I did love Char's reaction whenever they showed that. And she goes, uh, "A guy with a locked room in his basement—that is a huge red flag." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? That's a solid point. If you if you're over at somebody's house and they have a room in their basement that is specifically locked, you should get the fuck out of there." Yeah. No. There's nothing good in that house. Uh, I think my ultimate uh, criticism is this movie is over two hours. I feel like we could easily chop this down by about another half hour. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of air quotes drama in this film where it's like between the cops and the the air quotes relationship between Sigourney Weaver and the cop. And you're like, "Ah, is any of that helping us progress the story? Yeah, I think the, the completely unneeded element is the the relationship triangle between the cops. Yeah, the, yeah. the three cops, yeah. Which which means yeah. nothing. Because the, yeah. the ex-boyfriend cop adds... And don't get me wrong, I can't remember what his name is. He's, he's a good actor and he plays it's, the role finder. Will, Will, Will Patton. Will, Will Patton. Yeah, and, he, and yeah, he's, but, he's fine. It's not on the actors. It's not what we're saying. Right, right? but that, that particular storyline, it, it serves no purpose in this movie. Yeah. 
Well, and I don't know. Did it feel like he shouldn't have been dating her? Did, did, I, again, this, I, I found the characters in this age. Well, like he was 25 years older than she was? Yeah. But didn't it yeah. feel like then it also felt like Sigourney Weaver was way older than the cop she was flirting with? It, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know any of these people's actual ages, but you know when you combine their what they look like with the way they were dressed and everything else in the film, like it feels like certain people are portraying much older characters and they didn't address the fact that those guys are like in these relationships with much younger people. And I'm like, it's very strange. Yeah. 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 That's a thing. I don't, I don't particularly have any huge complaints. I, I feel like I don't, some of the character development and uh, like the messaging ideas in the movie don't quite, work out like Sigourney Weaver's character arc makes sense she's she's traumatized she becomes agoraphobic and and at the end of the movie she kind of has to overcome her agoraphobia to to fight back against the killer blah blah blah, blah does blah. she that's, though that's, that's, that's yeah but that's she, what... she gets knocked out and then wakes up in the bathroom and then is like oh I'm out of my house like it doesn't even factor in for her. well good, like, no it does it, it, the end scene where she has to go out on the roof yeah yeah, but, and, but there's also the thing where, like, when she's trapped in the bathroom and she decides to, like, hang herself to screw up his plan of imitating the previous attack kind of thing. So she does stand up for herself in a way that she hadn't previously. Yeah, well, but then there's the thing where, so the other cop, at the beginning of the movie, we, we get the whole thing where her and her partner are doing the gun range, and she kind of chastises him for unloading on the target. And yeah. she's like, no, you just shoot him in the shoulder and you disable them. And that's what you're supposed to do. And then we have the crazy scene where the Asian guy in the police department steals the gun and blah, blah, blah. And she wings him. And then her partner ends up getting killed as a result of that. Right. Yeah. But they even go through the whole thing of the other guy, you know, and her boss telling her, no, you did the right thing. And in this one particular case, doing the right thing just didn't work out. Yep. But at the end of the movie, we get the whole thing of she does what her partner did and she just fucking unloads on the serial killer, right? But it's it's really strange because it's like she's learning the classic 80s movie lesson of like you have to learn to be a lot more violent and shoot people a lot more. Because yeah, that's yeah the bad guys, bad guys have to die because prison yeah. is not worthy of their time. And it goes against the messaging at the beginning of the movie of Sigourney Weaver making her speech in which she said, you know, we shouldn't have put like Ted Bundy to death. We should have locked him in a cell for the rest of his life and studied him so that we could understand this stuff. Yeah. If, and the if, movie ends with them killing the serial killer. <laughs> if it feels like they were shoving an eighties action movie subplot into their nineties drama film. Um, yeah. Because like that that whole thing of like she wings the guy and her partner's killed, so next time she shoots to kill, it saves the day. That's like, I mean, that's that's a plot line from Die Hard, right? It's it's the, it's the time of year where it's time to start talking about Die Hard again. Um, it's you know, it, it's <laughs> playing it, play it at my local theater this week. Yeah, I'm going to see it on Thursday. Um, but uh, it's a uh, you know, like that 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 is one of those standard things, and it feels like maybe a studio note of like. Hey, this isn't enough like the action movies that we make money doing. So stick an action movie thing in there. And that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's there's this better I don't know, there's some kind of better resolution where she amps it up but doesn't kill him. You know what I mean? Instead of like unloading on him 
instead of winging one arm, she shoots him in like both arms and both legs, and she's like, "Now nah, he's disabled." <laughs> well, I don't know. like I, I think you could excise that whole thing. I don't think we need that whole incident with um, the random like yeah. criminal that shows up and kills the partner. Like I don't know yeah, why like that's that, there. That achieves pretty much nothing. Yeah, it progresses that one plot line that we're all saying shouldn't have been there. So, yeah, like. I don't know. Does it bring Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver closer together? Like, I feel like you could still excise that and still portray that pretty easily. Yeah. Like I would have preferred some, some time of spent of them, like getting to know each other and like her, like being like, you know, like, look, you're really good at this and you can, you know, kind of bringing Sigourney Weaver out of her agoraphobia by like convincing her that, you need to be helping because you're so good at this and you could save lives and stuff. I would have preferred that as a way to, um, as a way to get, get those two closer, lean into the drama more. I think that's what I would have tried. Uh, which we should also point out that, uh, this came out three years after, uh, silence of the lambs. Right. And I feel like someone for Holly Hunter's, uh, costumer was like, Hey, Jodie Foster was in brown suits. So we just need brown suits. Yeah. Well, so everything Holly Hunter wears is brown. I can't, what, was, what was the actress's name in here? Does, does she always talk like that? Or was she just intentionally doing the Jodie Foster talking through her teeth voice? No, I think they hired, oh, no. hired, they hired her because she talks like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, but I don't think it's her fault. I think it's the casting department's fault. And all of the I stuff... I was talking to Char about that. I was like, is that an accent? Is this is that a specific accent from some region of the United States of women with slightly deeper voice that talk through their teeth? <laughs> but, like, That's just Holly Hunter. Did you guys think that the whole stuff with her going to see Sigourney Weaver, like going to see... like? It was a, a total play on the Hannibal Lecter thing, right? Instead of going to see the psychopath, totally. she's going to see the victim. But it was set up very much like it. It was aping it. But then they even go a step further where they have to actually go see the psychopath yeah. for information. I, so, I, I, yeah. I thought they were copying Silence of the Lambs quite a bit, which is fine. Copy the movies that are better than you. Um, <laughs> I will say, I, this: the, you know, obviously this movie predates the Marvel uh phenomenon but didn't the final scene of this movie make you guys feel like did they just make an entire movie that's just a setup for a sequel like <laughs> like i feel like the movie ends with them going and this is going to be an entire series harry kind jr writing a note that says like you've just stepped into a bigger world <laughs> did you think you were the only serial killer yeah, that's funny I definitely feel this movie um, suffers since you guys brought up Silence of the Lambs. It's like to have come out between Silence of the Lambs and Seven. This movie is like it's like ow. Mm. Oh. Like if if somebody's asking you for a movie recommendation from back then, are you really going to go with this one? Like it's not like <laughs> like no, come on guys. Like you know, we want to watch this one about cops trusting the serial killer. Yeah, we got we got a couple of options for you. And there's some great ones, and then there's like this mediocre one, you know. I mean, I suppose if somebody was really specific and they were like, "Listen, I I need a movie from that era that's kind of a serial killer drama, and uh, I want the maximum amount of uh, corpse deaths." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah, I got this." Yeah, that's that's really what Silence of the Lambs was missing with some corpse deaths. Well, it had some. 
Just because it didn't have as many doesn't mean it didn't have any. Let's. Uh... Uh, what this movie didn't have was someone going, "Oh yeah, wasn't she a big old fat person? <laughs> wasn't she, she a big old fat person?" <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to do a Ted Levine episode at some point. <laughs> All right, Joyride. Oh, suddenly, don't um, me down for that idea. By the way, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed this movie. I thought, I, like we've been talking, the performances are great. Um, Harry Connick Jr. blows it out of the water. Uh, the actual plot is okay. Like the idea is really good. Maybe the execution's not super great. Um, like I said, could be half an hour shorter and unnecessary. Uh, uh, cop death slash uh, love triangle that is not even a love triangle. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know what the other problem with this movie was? Because I live with uh, a woman who loves true crime stuff, and I've watched so many documentaries about serial killers and shit mm-hmm. that even though I I haven't seen this movie before, as it started getting going, I was like, oh, that's this serial killer's ML right there. Oh no, that's that's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and like. Whenever it got to him in the nightclub and he had his hair slicked back and the glasses and stuff, and I was like, okay, now it's going to be Dahmer, so he's going to kill the gay friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because the scene where he did uh, the the Son of Sam one, he gets out of a yellow Volkswagen. Right. And I was like, oh, he's got the Ted Bundy car. Yeah. Which I've seen in person. Yeah, it's weird. Down in Pigeon Forge, there's a true crime museum. And they have Ted Bundy's uh, Volkswagen. It feels like you just started talking about that specifically so you could talk about your little museum trip. No, no. I was pointing out the same thing Noah does. I started noticing shit that I already knew about. I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's Ted Bundy's uh, car. I wonder if this movie kind of suffers from the fact that it came out before the true crime phenomenon went off. Because I bet you, like, trying to do a, a movie like this now people would love to like pause it and compare the scene in the film to like the actual crime scene photos call them up on their second screen and hold it up by their tv and draw all the connections and stuff um, yeah so like i think this would be more popular if it came out now It'd be pretty hard to make the same film now because you know people would know the ending from watching this one but um yeah it, it, yeah. it's, it's ahead of its time in that way I mean, it's, hey, it's, least, it's Zoom calls and people are obsessed with serial killers. Ed uh, Kemper on somebody. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'd kind of like to watch that. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. Didn't he have sex, like oral sex with decapitated heads and stuff? Yeah. Uh, his, his mother's head. He cut off her head yeah. and had sex with the neck hole. Yeah. I'm saying hey, you want to see that. I, I don't want to see it in real life. I'm not gross like Noah's wife. I want to see it in a movie. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey, everybody. What did we watch this week? Uh, things. Uh, first of all, I watched The Gift. Just like the, a, the Sam Raimi movie? Is it? 
Is it Sam Raimi? Yeah. Psychic check? Yeah, Keanu psychic Reeves check. Uh, Keanu that's, Reeves that's, is an evil redneck. Yeah, it's yeah. Sam Raimi. See, I just weren't... <laughs> That, that's it's interesting that you say it is a Sam Raimi movie because I thought I saw the classic in it and I was like, is that the classic? And I grabbed my phone and I real quick googled it. And uh, d- did he produce it or was he the actual director? He was the actual director. director because the director popped up as someone else. No, there's another movie of Jason Bateman called The Gift. Is that the one you're thinking? <laughs> I wonder. Well, no, because it was it was the one I was looking at. Uh... But that's that's fascinating. Okay, so, so just so to I clarify, right. I... no, no, no came in two weeks in a row, bad mouthing Sam Raimi, and then proceeds to watch a Sam Raimi movie voluntarily <laughs> <laughs> the third week. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what the funny thing is? Shar was the one that was watching that movie, so I ended up watching it with her. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, so for some reason, after a simple plan, you were like, you know what I need more Sam Raimi. More Billy Bob Thornton, because Billy Bob Thornton was one of the writers on The Gift. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, here's here's the thing, guys. It wasn't a very good movie. Oh, no. That's a I, false statement. I like that movie. I'm pushing that back on that. I, I really like that movie. I haven't seen it in a bit, but... I, yeah. I, the best the best part of that movie is Keanu Reeves' performance. Oh, it totally he, is. He, he it's a great play, performance, yeah. He, no. Yeah, he does play fantastic, the scary redneck guy. Although uh, Giovanni Ribisi is really good in that as well. Like, There's lots of good performances in that movie. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I, 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 I don't know, I feel like the thing that I got really lost in the movie on was Psychic Chick, because I don't, I don't know, her character's not interesting or... <laughs> Good. In fact, she's a real psychic. Nobody believes her. Yeah, I suppose. Although she does all the things that sleazy psychics do, hmm. which is real weird. I don't, I, I don't know, because they're trying to be like, no, no, she's not one of those sleazy psychics. She really has visions. And it's like, yeah, but then she also does these bullshit tarot readings and shit that are like fucking people's lives up because she's just making that shit up. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like I said, it was a... It, the, yeah, I just I didn't think it was that great of a movie. The performances are really good, but not even for Katie Holmes's boobs. Like like I said, the theme of the week was corpse tits. <laughs> well, she, they show her when she's alive too. Yes, that is true. Uh, I will openly admit that the first time I saw the movie, that's why I watched it, <laughs> and then and then I'm like, holy shit, this was a great movie. On top of that, <laughs> it's one of those weird like little uh, little like side advantages. Doug yeah. was like, need me some Kitty Holmes corpse dance. <laughs> Those were not the ones that I rented it for. I do like the we scene all... where uh, Keanu Reeves is harassing her kid, and then uh, Giovanni Ribisi comes up and he's like, oh, is he bothering you? And the kid's like, yeah. He just calmly walks over, grabs a crowbar, comes over, just starts smashing his windshield. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. I'm going to watch that movie again one of these days. I'm going to go on the list. That. Uh, and then watched the uh, the three-part David Tennant Doctor Who special. Oh, yeah. How do you, Which, feel, how do you feel about the last episode? It was fine. All right. I'm just curious, since you're, you're more into classic Who than I am, because I, I feel like I, people are going to be pissed. I feel like they tried to they tried to make that episode move way too fast, and, and okay. they just tried to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. and which is weird because you're doing a three part thing, 
And then you're like, yeah, but we're just going to make three entirely separate episodes of Doctor Who that happen to have the David Tennant character back. And you're like, that's yeah. a little odd. Yeah, I feel they could have been a little bit more connected. Right. And I'm assuming they're setting up whatever's getting ready to happen in the new season. But uh, Yeah, there's a Christmas special coming up at the end of the month. So. Yeah. NPH uh, was pretty great. He was good. And uh seems like I read somewhere he didn't, he's never seen Doctor Who before he was cast. I was like, it doesn't seem right. It seems like something that he should be like, oh, I love Doctor Who. I tried to lobby to be in it somehow, and this is what we came up with. But, sure. Yeah, but it was nice. It was nice that they uh, they managed to tie up, like, the Doc, uh, Donna Noble stuff and mm-hmm. uh, give Mel a little bit more something to do since she was kind of one of the companions that just kind of was like there for a little while and then not. Um, uh, I, I will say for the short period of time that new doctor was on the screen, um, we're really digging it. I was like, Ooh, cause I kind of lost uh, interest when, uh, what's, what's her face? Who was the last doctor? Jody Whitaker. Yeah. I don't know. It's something about like the way and I don't even think it was her fault because I don't think it was her acting or anything, but the way the stories were working and kind of the way they were portraying things like she was goofy doctor. And I just don't, I don't have any interest in. I know you hate goofy doctor. Yeah. Goofy doctor's fucking stupid. Yeah. That's why I stopped watching Capaldi halfway through his run. So I like dark doctor. <laughs> so I like Capaldi. That's why I like David Tennant, too, because David Tennant's, David Tennant's Doctor, the reason why everybody loves him is he is the perfect blend of silly Doctor and weird, angry, damaged Doctor. <laughs> I did like, uh, was it the second episode? where uh, The no things? Oh, uh, well, I was thinking I liked the part of the second episode where Donna mentioned something about how attractive some guy is and he agrees with her and then he's like, Oh, that's new. And she's like, no, no, it's not. It's been under the surface the whole time. <laughs> that's really funny. See, I like, I like the part whenever he goes, Oh, that's what's her face. I loved her. And he goes, Oh, I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like some doctor who people are, cause I feel like the by regeneration aspect of it, Part of me, like, oh, I'm, I see what they're doing. I'm fine with it. The other part of me is like, I feel like it's kind of cheating just so they can keep David Tennant around. If, if oh, that's ever, 100% what it is. If they want to break that glass if they need to. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's 100% cheating, and it gives this excuse where now, like the Doctor Who comics and stuff, you can do a whole comic book series about David Tennant, Doctor, off doing things and it can directly interact with stuff the current doctor's doing because they both exist simultaneously now it's, it's pretty yeah I don't know, I, I, it's one of those things that I think it's both interesting and cheap sure I'm pretty much in the same boat yeah where I was like oh you don't want to have to like regenerate back into him again so you're just going to keep him around but it's the type of thing where he can sit out for seven eight years and then just go back to him whenever they need to I do like the I did like the thing where she calls him out too because he's dressed like he used to dress, mm-hmm. and she goes, "I think you can only wear that if you're under thirty years old." 
What? Don't make fun of my converse. <laughs> uh, yeah, so watch that. And then uh, besides that, I, I found out that all the classic Doctor Who stuff is on TV. So besides that, I've pretty much just been watching the classic Doctor Who stuff. Mm. Do they have the, the very first season on? Did you watch the Toymaker episode? Well, so that's that's not season one. Toymaker didn't show up until it was colorized, which I think is third Doctor. No, oh, well, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they they've got most of the stuff, so they're missing the uh, the first serial because I think that's one of the ones that half of it's missing forever now. Yeah, but they've even got on Tubi. They've got the ones where they found the audio tracks for some of the missing episodes, and they did the animated things to replace them. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Well, yeah. I've never watched all the way through all the classic stuff, so I was like, maybe I should do that. I don't think I've ever watched an entire episode of one of the classic ones. The, the like the initial, the first Doctor can be a little dry. Mm-hmm. I think if what people have told me is that I guess third Doctor is kind of where it hits its stride, mm. and then you know everybody loves Doctor Four and stuff. Yeah, but that's it. What you watched, Dave? Uh, let's see. Um, I won't waste time on all this stuff, but I started going through Christmas movies. So, um, nice. the only one that might be interesting to talk about, I watched eyes wide shut for the first time in a long time. Takes place during the Christmas season. It counts. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it is set at Christmas and I don't know. That was good enough for me. Um, good movie or pretentious art host crap thoughts. <laughs> Pretentious uh, art has crap. I feel like it falls underneath both. Okay, because I I I hadn't seen it in years, and that's what made me think, oh, I'll rewatch that one. Um, I don't think it's a good movie. It's a very yeah. well it's a very well made movie. I mean, it's Kubrick, right? There's so much attention to detail, and every shot is perfect. And you cannot criticize any of the performances, even though none of them are particularly great, but there's no such thing as a bad shot in the movie, but I don't know. Like it, it's, it's a 15 minute story that they've stretched out to over two hours. And there's a bunch of like nudity in the film that seems like it was put there just to shock the audience. Cause like, can you believe it? We took a very famous actress and had her take her clothes off. And you're like, okay. I mean, I see that you've done that. Do you, do, but like, do you think that's what it was? Do you think it was for shock value? Yeah. Or to like to prove you could. I feel like, I feel like this is Stanley Kubrick making pretentious Stanley Kubrick porn. You think so? Is is he's the only one that could do it? Like he's like I'm going to make porn pretentious. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I don't disagree uh, because apparently he wanted like a real life couple for it. Got Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and true. then made them promise to uh, or dedicate themselves to like three years to shoot this movie. Jesus. They did, and they had to move to England so they could work on it all that time. I mean, like all you hear all that, and you're like, okay, but the plot is husband runs into his old buddy. His old buddy plays piano at an orgy, so he tries to sneak into the orgy, and now they're like kind of threatening him. That's the plot of the movie. Like, does that seem like two hours of? film that takes three years to make because every shot has to be perfect and the stars have to be a real married couple. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. 
if this was an if this was an exploitation film made in 1977 with a very similar plot it would be 87 minutes and it'd be a lot of fun to watch right like they would have shot it like a week and a half yeah and you know what i mean and like there'd be a boom mic in it maybe but still it would it would be fun right whereas this is i don't think it's intended to be fun it's not trying to be that but it's like i don't know like there's the scene where he goes to like get the costume well, and there's again, it's, it's Kubrick. Kubrick. The, the problem with Kubrick is Kubrick was he, and I'm not denigrating him because I think he was a genius, right? The dude is a genius filmmaker who understood visual storytelling in a way that most of us mere mortals yeah. do not. But at the same time, the dude basically used art like a cudgel and beat the audience to death with it is essentially what he would do. You'd be like, shut the fuck up. I know this is good, but this is so good that I'm now annoyed with you and you need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, and like in this film in particular, like there's a whole like weird subplot with like underage Lily Sobieski is being prostituted out by her father. And you're like, I don't know why that's there other than, like again, shock value. Uh, You know what I mean? Well, because well, it's about perversion and classism, and it's one of those. You know, well, what's it about? Again, what about it's, it? It's art house trash. It's made to be analyzed to death. But and... at the same time, that means you didn't actually put a message in the movie. You intentionally yeah. made a movie that has these vague hints at things, so that it could be analyzed to death. Which yeah. is that actually good, or is that just pretension? And I think it's just pretension. Yeah, like, a, yeah. I, I mean, that that's how I came down on it on the rewatch was like, I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's an extremely well made, not good movie, though. It's not a good story. Yeah. There aren't good uh, character yeah. arcs. I haven't seen it since theaters. And um, the, I read a book or listened to an audio book um, a couple months ago called like 1999, The Best Film Year Ever. Okay. Because it lists off all the movies that came out in 1999. You're like, holy fuck. Like, it was there, a are, there are some good movies, but 1987 is the uh, best movie ever. So. They included uh, Eyes Wide Shut in it and went over it. And the way they were breaking it down, I'm like, oh, I'm curious to rewatch that. And then I, I haven't. So You bought it. Oh, I have it. Yeah. yeah. I own it, of course. <laughs> I know. How do you think don't, I rewatched it? <laughs> see, don't act surprised. I own a lot <laughs> yeah. of shit. Yeah. I actually don't even think I bought it. It may have been back when you could share libraries with people. Oh, okay. Either way, I own it. Yeah, because I found it while I was looking for your copy of Gremlins. So that's why I decided. Gotcha. I'm like, oh, I noticed. That. I just noticed someone else that's connected to my account bought the 93 Dracula or 92 Dracula and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, that's good. Or did I get upgraded for free? Is that what happened? I think that is what happened. <laughs> like trying to figure it out now. Well, because it's weirdly, I've been getting emails. It's like, hey, we just upgraded a bunch of your shit to 4K for free, and I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. So I don't know. That's fun. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Continue on. Deck. Good. I don't know. Uh, well, slightly more modern stuff that I watched this week, but keeping with the Christmas spirit, I watched uh, Merry Little Batman. Have you guys seen the this thing show up on Amazon Prime? I've seen it show up. I have not watched it. It is. I mean, I, it's not made for us. It's clearly made for children. Yeah. Um, it's about like Joker tricks Batman into leaving Gotham. It's a, fu- it's a future where 
Batman has completely eliminated all crime in Gotham. And Damian Wayne wants to become Batman, but Batman's not letting him. And partially because when he knew Damian Wayne was going to come live with him, he cleared up all crime so that there would be none for him. His kid would never be at risk. And then Joker tricks Batman into leaving town so he can start doing crimes again. And now Damian Wayne has to step up and become like a hero. It's animated in a very child-friendly way. It's got a lot of like, I mean, they managed to make the main character a kid, even though it's a Batman show. Um, Very clearly made for kids. So my official review of it is I watched it with two little boys and like they would stand up and reenact scenes from it in my living room while it was going on. So hugely successful film obviously right like they, yeah. they they thought it was absolutely hilarious they're rolling around laughing so they're more the target audience than i am and it really worked for them yeah you're better than me because i would have been like there's no laughing during batman <laughs> it's, i mean his parents are dead and he's sad yeah there are some like some jokes for us thrown in like there's there's a point where it's like I forget what um, I forget what Batman says, and he's like, "You can't be friends with that person. They're they're a supervillain." Damien's like, "Well, Mom was a supervillain," and he's like, "That's complicated." <laughs> and so there's moments like that, and they have a cat, and the cat's name is Selena, which is just a fun little joke. Huh. <laughs> and there's the Mister Freeze in it, just keeps making really bad one-liners that are like the kids are looking at me like that's not funny and i'm like no but it is though because it's not funny is why it's funny though and they're like i don't get it i'm like that's fine <laughs> we're not watching that other movie so that you'll understand these jokes so have you uh have you shown him batman brave and the bold yet no seems like that's one he would really like i should try it it's Sometimes when I recommend stuff to him, then he doesn't like it because he didn't find it himself, and he's doing what I said. So, but. yeah, because it's one I didn't want to like because uh, I was like, oh, but this isn't um, Kevin Conroy, Conroy Batman. Yeah, it's not the animated series. So I'm just like, oh, this is too bright and happy. I don't like this. And then like, an episode and a half in, I'm like, oh my god, I love this. So. It's a lot of fun. Diedrich Bader does a good, fun Batman. Yeah. And then all the villains are kind of retro throwbacks to, like, their old versions, which is fun. So, Yeah, I should probably give it a watch. I've never actually seen it. Yeah, it's it's good. Paul Rubens shows up as Batmite at some point, and he's <laughs> fucking awesome. I watched some, like, I don't know, like, half-hour, like, animated. I think it was, I can't remember if it was a Lego one or if it was a regular one. Batmite was in it. It was it was real fun because <laughs> it was like, and then I think the conclusion of that, the conclusion of that one is he had like the whole Justice League trapped, and Batman's finally the one that can get them out, and he's like, yeah, the cage you're in isn't locked because everybody was held by the one thing that would stop them. So like there was like kryptonite bars and there was whatever else to trap each member. And he's like, but none of your weaknesses are locks. So if one of you had just gone over here and opened this gate, you could have all walked out. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> that's the kind of absurdity that I can't help but enjoy. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. If you have little kids at home, I'd watch Mary little Batman with them. But I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it for adults unless you're like some kind of completionist. Um, and what else did I watch? Does anybody know? I know. Okay. Um, I finally went and saw the Marvels because you guys recommended oh, yeah. it so highly. Like, <laughs> did we? Yeah. No. 
Um, but my kid wanted to go. So, um, I don't understand why everyone hates this movie at all. Well, I don't, I don't think we hated it. But, I think it, it, but a lot of people do. Submissions. No, they definitely do. Actually, actually, you know what the weird thing is? I don't know a single person who's seen it that hates it. Oh, I know lots. <laughs> yeah. I even know people who are huge fans of the first Captain Marvel that hated this one. And I, like, I gotta say, I don't get it. Like, it's not upper tier MCU by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, but it's uh, fine. The villain is ill-defined and the the stakes aren't there. And for me, I would have, like, like, a lot of people are complaining because all the villains' motivations are from this other battle that happened and they didn't bother to show that other battle happening. I'm like, yeah, that's a valid criticism. That is a big problem. <laughs> uh, like, oh, that's yeah, a huge so you deal. Mean, you mean the 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 time where Captain Marvel destroyed the Supreme Intelligence and caused the entire collapse of the Kree Empire off screen? <laughs> yeah. See, I feel that they should have shown that. I, I like that's and controversial me, take, Doug. Like I would have taken I would have taken basically all the Nick Fury stuff out of this movie and had that instead. Like all the stuff with like the cats and stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm like there was it wasn't again, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't there was nothing special about it, and it didn't advance the story the way yeah. it could have. Yeah, um, the two the two things that could have been tossed out in favor of story, all the cat stuff gone, yeah. and that fucking singing planet gone. Well, at least the singing planet, they had a big battle there, and the battle itself was pretty good. And I gotta say, like, uh, whatever her name is that plays Miss Marvel, I her reaction to the singing... I was like, that's amazing. Like when they were, they're walking through the singing planet and everybody else is being all stoic and serious. And she's just super excited to be there. <laughs> she's just, this, <laughs> I like, I really like that character. I, I liked her in the yeah. TV show, but oh, I yeah. like her. And, and they picked the now. perfect actress for it. Cause she yeah, like yeah. does have that wide eyed excitement. Yeah. And that, like that yeah. big smile she has when she gets excited about things. And she does a great job of playing like nervous to be around Captain Marvel, but then still believable as a hero. All that stuff Which, is like, I, like amazingly. Like, I was gonna say amazingly. I th- I feel like that's real because like I watched an interview with her on like Seth Meyer or whatever, and they show pictures of her like in a Captain Marvel, like the yeah. the new Cap or new Ms. Marvel, like outfit, like just her cosplaying before she even. Like got the yeah. role, so maybe she's not a great actress, but they just—it was just good casting. I don't know. But, yeah, so I think like, I think some of that just comes through where she's like, "I can't believe I'm in this fucking Marvel movie." Yeah, uh, and I think it totally works. Yeah, it 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 totally it's like she's the best part of this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I have no. So I I thought I thought she was great. I think and, that when they start doing watched, the like, you sorry, watched Wandavision, correct? Yeah. Did you did you find it weird that they changed uh, Monica Rambeau's character so drastically from her representation in that to her representation in this? I didn't care either way. I didn't really care about her character in Wandavision. I didn't really care about her character here. So um, it's just weird that she went from being kind of this smart badass in Wandavision to being a nerdy computer person in this. It's like that's weird it's a weird shift she's still pretty badass in this she she is it's just the way she talks they completely like reworked her character i don't it's strange yeah i don't know i don't i don't have an affinity for that character to the point where i noticed yeah i didn't really notice either 
I didn't have a problem with her in this movie, but I didn't find her particularly interesting either. Like of the three, she's probably she's the, the least. In, yeah, I was gonna say she's the least interesting of the three. Yeah, like it's definitely Kamala Khan is the, is my favorite, and then the Brie Larson character, and then her. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. So I don't know. I thought I found this to be like on par with like the Ant Man movies and stuff that are just fun to watch that aren't. You know, they're not great, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, like having, because you guys had sent me pictures of the post-credit sequence there with Beast, yeah. watching it in theaters, I'm like, ooh, that's bad. Like, it looks terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it looked that it, bad. I don't know if they were intentionally trying to use CGI to recreate 90s technology or what they were trying to do there, but it, I thought it looked terrible. So... I'm also, I'm secretly hoping, I don't know if, if I'm lucky enough to get this or not, but is it possible that that's like a one-off? That they threw her into the animated X-Men universe, but that that's not the actual X-Men we're going to get in the MCU? Uh, I, I don't think that's the X-Men we're going to get, but I think it's something that may tie into like Secret Wars or something. Maybe. No, really? See, I'm 100% convinced that that is the x-men we're gonna get because i because I, I i would i would put money on the fact that x-men 97 the new season is gonna be canon and it's gonna bleed into stuff and then it'll they'll probably use secret wars as an excuse to blow that up and reset x-men but i mean that's the people our age x-men 97 is the x-men that everybody wants and everybody loves yeah, but I think that deep down, I think we want new stuff. Like we want new. It's time to go. It's time to move forward. And it's I don't want them to constantly be calling back after Secret Wars. I don't want to see old X Men actors showing back up again. Right. I just kind of want to. My preference would be they use this opportunity to give them like a good send off. Sure. And then blow everything up and do something new. Yeah, which I think they're partially going to do in Deadpool three. I think so. Yeah, I think they're going to lean into it. Where, but I think that's going to be a big send off for, um, like all of the Fox Marvel properties. Yeah, I think we're going to a little bit of everything in that movie, and then maybe a little some bits and pieces in Secret Wars, and then I think that's that'll be it. Yeah, and and it, like it's I don't know, like the MCU needs a new way to go. And the X-Men need a reboot. It seems like it's a happy coincidence that they're happening at the same time. And you could you could rebuild. You could build a new universe, air quotes, within the MCU of now it's going to be mutant-driven. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But the, they're going to have to improve the CGI if they expect me to watch that beast for more than a couple seconds on screen. <laughs> Ouch. I, see, I find that wild. I thought that that looked so fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was good, too. Yeah, Doug, the harsh critic, coming in. I did see it at the theater I don't like, so maybe maybe my complaints about how the screens look better at the other cinema are more valid than I think they are. <laughs> Your screen made the CGI look bad. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to help Stupid you guys. Bad theater making everything worse. I was annoyed that I had to go there, but anyways, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't have much more to say about the Marvels. Like I don't, 
again, it's not, it wasn't anything near my favorite, but it wasn't as anywhere near as bad as what I had worried. No, no. And was the singing part as bad as you thought it was going to be? Uh, I mean, it was as annoying as I thought it would be, but there were a couple of good jokes in it. Um, like there was the one part where the guy starts talking to them and they're like, what, he doesn't have to sing. And she goes, no, he's bilingual. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, and again, like I was loving Kamala Khan's reaction to everything. So that part was great. I think uh, the most egregious thing in that entire scene is when Miss Marvel, uh, literally Disney's into a princess dress. Yeah. Captain Marvel. Which I was like, that is so fucking bad. And they should be ashamed of themselves for putting that in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, I agree. But, but isn't that supposed to be a joke on purpose, though? Yes. I, I'm sure it is. But it doesn't... The, the problem is, is I need... This is a complicated complaint. But while I would like... <laughs> while I would like Marvel to go back to making each movie a little different... Agreed. I also need some consistency in, like the world we exist in and that disney princessing magical dress change is not consistent with the world we live in as far as the superheroes like i know there's magic i know all this shit happens but you don't just randomly sparkle into a dress like well to be fair they did establish previously that she can like change that outfit into different colors and stuff so why not a dress i i, I suppose i don't know yeah, I don't. I yes, it was egregious. It was the worst thing in the movie. Um, it was also two seconds of the movie. A lot of the humor I thought did work. I thought the, the the jumping powers stuff all worked really well too. I'd heard that they didn't use it very well in the movie, but I thought when they like learned how to fight by switching powers at the same time and stuff, I thought that all went over pretty well. Again, in silly action movie stuff, not nothing serious about it, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I maybe this movie benefited from reputation as I'm going into it, and it's like you know not wanting to see it, and then like getting dragged to it by a child, and then being like, okay, the fact that I didn't hate it makes it fine. <laughs> like, like people I know that love the first Captain Marvel that told me they hated this. I'm like I don't like other than the lack of nostalgia for '90s stuff. What what are they that different? And then of course there are just the people who are just gonna hate it because it's got girls in it girls are icky to them that I, I i don't i'm not gonna try to convince those people to watch it just don't watch it though no. doesn't matter what it is they're still gonna hate it yeah but that i think is basically all i watched this week well outside of stuff we've already talked about i only watched a couple of things i watched uh went to the theater saw the original black christmas Nice, nice. Uh, with a friend of mine who had never seen it before, like he was aware of it, he kind of knew what the movie was about and stuff. Um, on the way there, I was like explaining to him, I'm like, I was like, well, the thing about this movie is like people credit Halloween with being the movie that sort of started the slasher boom, but this movie came before it, and told him about the rumor that. John Carpenter talked with uh, Bob Clark and Bob Clark said, if he did a sequel, he'd set it at Halloween. John Carpenter went and made Halloween, you know, all this stuff. So we were talking about, about that on the way there, get to the theater. Um, the, the theater we went to is run by a university. It's in town. Um, 
And so they had some uh, professor there who, I don't know, teaches like math or something, but he's a big like movie nerd. So he gave up and did a little talk beforehand. And basically said everything that I said in the car on the way there. Well, it's fun. That, <laughs> so, that's the problem with being as nerdy and geeky as we are, is that sometimes you like you go to an event and a guy says stuff and everybody else in the room is interested and you're like, I already knew all this. Like I could have just, yeah. I could have just said this and saved you guys the trouble of hiring that guy. Right. So like, yeah, I turned to my friend and I was like, Oh, sorry. You have to like, hear this twice now. See, <laughs> I was right. Yeah. The funny thing is he told me on the way home. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it was interesting just sitting there watching you mouth along with what the guy, <laughs> the guy said. <laughs> uh, uh, so we watched that. Uh, it's Black Christmas. Like I love it. It's, it's great. It's amazing. Yeah. He did point out that he's like, it is a little, maybe it's a little slow. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to remember it's a '70s movie. So they just that was that was how '70s movies worked. And he's like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, it's of it's of its era for sure. I love that era, so that really helps it for me. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I just love the characters so much. Like fucking Margot Kidder's character, Barb. Mm-hmm just drunk and loud obnoxious and i just love her for it my favorite thing about that movie is still how they like pretend that it's set in the states and everybody's so obviously canadian <laughs> like you know in the states where everybody goes to hockey practice when they're done done at school and you know what's his name the the, the main character there barges into that police station yelling at people and he couldn't sound more canadian and yet they've got a little american <laughs> flag on the desk like like good job good good pretending guys yeah um i pointed out because uh i don't know like i've seen this movie multiple times and i don't know why maybe i was just thinking of something else but i was like oh yeah john saxon's in this i forgot that mm-hmm. and uh he's great as always but i was sitting there watching him and i'm just like the scene where he's going through the sorority house and they're talking about how they're going to set up like the phone tap and he's meeting all the girls and stuff and i'm like man John Saxon has like a George Clooney level of like charm in this movie. Like just the way he's interacting with everybody and stuff. I'm yeah. just like, man, he stands out because like a lot of the, like it is like a lower budget film and the performances are yeah. always fantastic, but he really stands out in the movie. Yeah. So yeah, he's great. Uh, Billy's creepy as always. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just enjoyed it all around. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. Yeah. I will enjoy it later in the season when I watch it too. Yeah. I uh, asked my friend what he thought on the way home. He said he really liked it. Like he said, it moved a little slow, but he's like, but it was interesting as you were talking about to see sort of like the pregenitor of like the slasher films and stuff that became big a couple years later and stuff like that. And he didn't realize the, uh, that the uh, part of the plot was the, uh, the calls are coming from inside the house stuff so oh, he didn't know that going in yeah that's so. that's really fun to like it's been so i've seen that movie so many times that it's like the idea of not knowing that must be fun to watch somebody's reaction yeah so yeah had a good time even uh even though i've seen him multiple times still got a little creeped out it oh because it works so well yeah like yeah and it's specifically like towards the end yeah. when uh they, the the guy tells her the calls are coming from inside the house, yeah. and then you see the footsteps coming down the, the stairs, and yeah. he runs by real quick and grabs her hair and just all that stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's it's such a well made film. Good. It's 
it's fascinating. Like, I, you know, I want to watch it. I'm saving it for Christmas Day, but I might not make it. <laughs> uh, the theater actually did a uh, double feature of White Christmas and then Black Christmas. Oh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> but we didn't uh, We didn't go to the White Christmas party. Well, yeah, I don't know. I like the idea of it. I don't know if I'd go see White Christmas yeah, right. or not. Yeah. But, and then uh, they have a raffle. This is about every time I go. So when you buy a ticket, you get a raffle ticket. And I won a uh, free ticket to free popcorn. Nice. Which I'm going to be using on the 22nd because they are showing Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, that's fun. So I'm going to be going to see that at the theater. I was thinking about going to see Gremlins the next night, but I decided not to. Okay. I've recently watched Gremlins, and I can tell you it holds up, in case you're wondering. Yeah. In case you were on the fence about Gremlins. Well, from what I hear, we're gonna I'm going to find out real soon anyway. Well, yeah. Um, and then the other movie I watched was one that I'd kind of been interested to see in the theater, and I ended up missing it. Like I was like, okay, I have time now. I'm going to go tomorrow. And then check the times, and it's like, oh, it's 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 out of theaters as of tomorrow. Damn it! Um, luckily, it went to Shutter real quick, so I watched uh, "It's a Wonderful Knife." Oh yeah, which I was interested in. I, I kind of like these um, sort of uh, horror reinventions of like classic movie tropes, like we got with um, "Happy Death Day" and yeah. "Freaky," and now we have "It's a Wonderful Knife." Which is uh, does it actually follow like it's a wonderful life yep. in some way? So this girl um, goes to a party. It's close to Christmas. Um, turns out there's a new slasher in town, and he dresses up in all white to resemble like this angel tree topper that we see in the middle of the town square. Um, she uh, she's at this party. This slasher shows up, starts killing a bunch of uh, teenagers. Uh, it's attacking her brother and she runs up behind him and electrocutes him um, and then pulls the mask off. And we find out like, it's not even a spoiler alert. Like it's in the trailer. If you watch it, that it's the uh, town mayor played by uh, Justin long doing this weird, like Joel Austin, like performance. It's like, it's such a weird, like he's got fake teeth and it's just, it's an odd performance. He, he's made some choices. Let's put it that way for his performance. Um, so she kills him, you know, saved her brother, saved a bunch of other people. Uh, and then we cut to a year later, she's super depressed because like her best friend was one of the people that was killed. And, um, you know, everybody's sort of like moving on and they're getting ready to celebrate Christmas again. And she's like, why are all you people like so quickly to just move past all of this? Even though it's been a year, uh, Joel McHale plays her dad and stuff so she just has a bad night, sees the uh, northern lights up in the sky, and just says, maybe everybody would be better off if I just wasn't even born. And there's a quick flash, and lights go out, come back on, and she's now in a world where she was never born. And so then it turns out without her, uh, nobody else would have killed the slasher. And so the slasher's been killing people for like a year straight. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think uh, she runs into a cop, and it's like, uh, she's like, you're not the sheriff. And he's like, I'm totally the sheriff. She's like, what happened to sheriff uh, whatever? Oh, yeah, Slasher got him. So, so, so the Slasher's just been killing, like, for a year, and yeah. everyone's just, like, moving on with their lives. Like, it's just, like, 
Well, the world getting stuck in traffic. Sometimes you get killed by a slasher on the way home. This version of the world is a lot more depressed. Everybody's a lot more sad, and well, yeah, the town's kind of run down. I guess you would. And be. they're like, and they're in. Uh, yeah, so she, since she never killed the slasher, and I think he mentions like, oh yeah, we're up to like twenty six or twenty seven deaths. Like he uh, he kills somebody like every other week or something like that. <laughs> so um, nobody knows who she is, of course, and then she has to help figure out how to to like i don't know they come up with some comment stop joel (laughs) (laughs) well she like comes up with like this plan that it's like well if i kill him again maybe it'll reset everything so i can go back to my normal life or whatever sure um she finds out that you know since she wasn't there her brother died so like her her parents who don't know who she is are both super depressed and living miserable lives and whatever else. And, um, the setup for it, I think is great. I was totally on board. Uh, when it gets about halfway through the movie, I was kind of bored with the whole thing. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I don't feel like they're doing anything really interesting with this idea. So I don't know. I just got kind of over it and was waiting for it to be over with. So it unfortunately kind of falls apart. Oh, that's unfortunate because it sounds like it had promise. Yeah, yeah. yeah I liked the idea that I could have like a triple, well, I guess a quadruple feature if you count the Happy Death Day uh, sequel, but of just like the, these like gimmicky like throwbacks to other movies, but like slasher versions of them and yeah. stuff. But yeah, this one doesn't work out too well, at least in my opinion. Other people seem to love it, so I don't know. Yeah, but- I just. Other people tend to be wrong about stuff. So yeah, there's just moments where like tonally the movie's kind of all over the place. It just seems like it wants to be like kind of lighthearted and funny for part of it, and then it tries to get super serious and emotional for other parts. No, that can be a problem. It comes to like her parents and stuff, and it's just like oh, but these don't these don't really work that well together. With how you've set everything up, so. I feel like that seems to become a bit of a flaw in modern filmmaking is like tonal shifts that are like, like like completely unearned and there's just, it's just a different movie from scene to scene and nobody, that doesn't seem to bother modern audiences as much as it bothers us. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, had promise, but you know, everybody watch it for yourself, I guess, because again, other people seem to love it. And I was like, Oh, that was, Sort of okay, I guess. So, yeah, could be better, could be worse. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Okay, for next week, uh, the episode will be dropping on Christmas Day. So we're going to be dropping a nice, fun surprise for everybody. Um, which I don't know. We kind of mentioned earlier, I guess. We're doing. I was going to say, is it a surprise? Because no, we're not really. at what it is. So. Yeah, uh, we're going to do another fun uh, holiday horror movie commentary, sort of like what we did with Halloween. Yeah, but uh, we're going to watch Gremlins, uh, even though a Christmas movie. Technically a Christmas movie, and even though Doug just watched it, it's Gremlins. There's a very real chance I was going to watch it a second time before Christmas, anyway. So that's very true. <laughs> Uh, the funny thing is my uh, girlfriend's daughter is terrified of that movie, even though she's 15. What? Yeah. Apparently, when she was younger, she went to watch it and uh, didn't even make it to the uh, 
to the part where they turn into gremlins. She saw the pods and it freaked her out enough that she shut it off and has never watched it. That's oh, really wild to me. <laughs> because like, I was debating showing gremlins to my kid, and then after rewatching it, I'm glad I didn't, because I do think it's a little much for modern children. Yeah. But but the parts that I think are a little much for modern children are after the gremlins get there. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like my girlfriend like gives her hell about it all the time, but well, she should. She should yeah. shame her constantly until that somehow changes her character and improves it, which will never happen. <laughs> Cuz I even like, you know, how I mentioned I thought about going to see the the one in the theater and just didn't. Um I had marked on Facebook that I was interested into the event uh, that was created on Facebook. And she took a screenshot of it and said, sent it to all of us and was like, Hey, Riz wants to go. And Riz is like, no, I'm like, Oh, come on, come watch, come watch gremlins. It'll be great. But she just can't do it. She watches cocaine bear just fine, but gremlins too much. Yeah. Teach their own, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Noah was pushing for gremlins too. Yeah. Uh, which we agreed we'll do at some point. Yeah. As its own holiday movie. Yeah. Must be set at a holiday. Yeah. There's probably a gremlin that's a holiday gremlin in that. There's <laughs> a gremlin that's everything else. Uh, it's going in the movie. The gremlin is a Christmas tree. <laughs> See, I feel like we got to watch the uh, key, and pe- key and Peel sketch beforehand. I don't know if we do. It's so good, though. Uh, all right. I was thinking, what if Hulk Hogan's in the audience, and he, <laughs> and he like breaks the fourth wall in the movie? <laughs> it's still crazy yeah. that they put that in. Like Hulk Hogan breaking the fourth wall is actually in that yeah. movie. It's it's absurd and insane. And I'm glad they did it. <laughs> did you ever see the videos that someone made where it, it's like would be put in the middle, but it's like a modern version of all that stuff where it's like your gremlins invaded your DVR. So they end up like invading other movies because they're able to. Oh yeah. I think I've seen that. Where they're in like Batman and the exorcist and a bunch of shit like that. Hmm. It's pretty funny. Well, good times. Yeah. Apparently, the rest of us did not agree with your statement. That it's pretty funny. We're just like, no. Party, party on Wayne. Party on, party on Garth. What um, the fuck just happened? I don't know. I feel like Noah's like half asleep, so he's just going into other movies. Things we're I talking guess he, about. he accidentally brought up the fact that technically the, um, the cable access show you produce in your home is technically the first podcast, right? That was like yeah. the pre the precursor to what we're wasting our time doing now is what those people were wasting their time doing back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Wayne's show was actually popular, unlike ours. Well, <laughs> yes, but Wayne's show was also a Saturday Night Live bit and not an actual show. So sure, um, I know our download numbers. We're not that popular. Well, let's pretend we are. <laughs> Plus, I don't think most cable access shows had. Probably as many list as many viewers as we get listeners. I think most of them were 
strictly being played for the people who made them to go home and watch themselves on TV. So, Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.